foot of the cross Jesus is waiting God so loved the world Yes, Father, you love her Father, we know it's in you alone That our hope is found We proclaim in our hearts now is found he is my light my strength my song is cornerstone solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I Me from 
daughters of the living God. Because of the cross, we can stand and proclaim we are children of God. Amen. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me into his love for me. Oh, his love
him in your heart. Father for just a second. When I was a little boy, I remember my dad's approval and uh, my dad's presence meant everything to me. I remember we were separated my family at one point in time and we had moved and he was waiting to move. And I didn't know when he was going to come to our home to be with us again. And so I remember waiting and I just we didn't know every day it was kind of a complicated thing and I remember I was out in the street playing one day and in the back of my mind every day for a week or so had been this idea of maybe it would be today will be the day dad comes and I'm out in the street playing and I turn and around the corner of the street I recognize my dad's van turning around the corner and I wasn't I wasn't thinking about this but I just remember in that moment, I dropped everything I was playing with. I was maybe nine years old. I dropped everything. I turned away from my friends. And with no reservation, with no hesitation or embarrassment, I started uh, just sobbing. And I just ran down the street because I thought, this is my dad. I'm going to get a hug. I'm going to get approval. I'm going to get... I'm going to get the presence, the safety of my dad that I've been longing for. Today, God has shown up in this place. Our Father is here today. God. So Corinthians 3 says that God is spirit. And where the spirit of God is, there is freedom. Freedom from condemnation. Freedom from the death of sin. Freedom from freedom from not just the belief but the spiritual truth that tells me that 
I'm not good enough. There's freedom from that today in the presence of our Father. He says, look, you're my son, you're my daughter, and because of my love, you are loved today. That's who you are. You are free from condemnation. You're free from eternal judgment. The eternal judgment I give you today is that you are mine, you are loved, you belong to me, and you're secure here and forever. Our God is good. God, Father, we just acknowledge you today. You are the Father that we need. You are the God that saves. You are the dad that loves his children. And we're free in you. For every hurt in every family and every person, for every loneliness, for every feeling of condemnation, for every truth of failure today, we acknowledge your presence in this place, Father, above all else, that we're free in you. In Jesus' mighty name, we just claim that and we say amen. Oh, man, I'm glad to be at church today. Hey, uh, we are, yeah, God's good. It's good to be at church. <laughs> We are going to go ahead and take a minute. We're going to say hi to each other, pretend that I'm not crying, and then we're going to get some stuff done. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Honestly, finish up your hug. Take your time. That's the most important thing right now. My name is Darius. I'm one of the pastors here at Mount Rainier Christian Center. Man, we are a lucky church. We've, got, we've just got amazing people here. And an amazing God. There's a couple things that I want to draw your attention to. First thing is this. Is that uh, it, part of today is um, we are just in a season right now where we're going to just as a church engage as much as possible. And we do this a few times a year, every once in a while at Mount Rainier Christian Center. So we just take a second to get involved or get engaged. So uh, in, your, in the seat in front of you, there's one of these cards. I'm out of breath. I can't breathe with this. I shouldn't have worn this cotton mask. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's getting like waterboarded. Okay. Anyway, so there you go. Hold this thing and uh, you can take a look at it. It's a connect card in front of your seat. There's also a Wii card. The Wii card and this card, they now have the same information on them. But whichever one, if you want to take that, look at it and see if there's a way, a place that you want to get involved or engaged, God will lead you. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. I guarantee that's going to happen. So if you want to take a look at that card and uh, fill that out. You can do that, and uh, you can leave it in your seat, or you can put it in the, 
You can put it in the Tupperware that we have replacing our offering plates this morning. That's a long story for another day. Uh, the other thing that I just want to draw attention to <laughs> really quick is this. Um, we have a video that we're going to show in a moment. And uh, somebody who is part of our staff, Tyler, who's in the back back there, uh, he's going to explain how you can get uh, the church app on your phone. And if you have any problems or any questions using the, the online church on your phone, uh, you can't do this if you're watching online. You can't come and say hi to Tyler. That's not a function that we have yet. Wave of the future. But if you're here in person after the gathering, you can come and talk to Pastor Tyler. He'll be back uh, at the kiosk in the lobby, and he would love to answer questions that you have about the church app or the website. If you're watching online, hey, uh, you can email Tyler, uh, tyler at mrccnow.org, or you can reach out to the office, and uh, he would love to help you figure out anything that you're having a problem with with your technology, because we're excited to be able to worship together and use that. So that's everything. Go ahead and check out this video. MRCC, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited whether you're in person or online. We're thankful that you're attending with us today. In the next couple of months on the, you know, the technology side of MRCC, some things are going to be changing. We will be getting rid of our church app. So what that means is if you downloaded it from the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, we will not be supporting it anymore, but we do have a solution for you. If you have an iPhone or an Android, we need you to go to your default browser. So it is Google Chrome on Android and Safari if you're on iPhone. And what that means, what we're gonna do here is we're going to show you how to get our new app on your phone, which is great. It's connected to our website and we're gonna bookmark it to your home screen. So what you're gonna do, I have an iPhone so that way I can show you. We're gonna go to Safari and we're gonna type in our website, mrccnow.org and we're gonna hit go. Now, if you're on Android, it's gonna be at the top of your screen. If you're on Safari or an iPhone, it's gonna be on the bottom of your screen. We're gonna follow this little prompt here. We're gonna hit that button and we're gonna scroll down to say add to home screen. It's gonna ask us if that's what we wanna name it. We're gonna hit add. Boom, it is right there on our home screen. Once we click that, we have access to our entire website, whether that is previous messages, our message notes and small group questions for the sermon from the previous week, any more info, our calendar, anything that you can ask for or need from MRCC is all right there. We are so excited about these changes. And if you have any questions, contact the church office and we will help you in any way we can. Thank you. Thanks to you, Tyler, and to everybody who works behind the scenes in the technology area. You know, the reality these days, friends, is that stuff stops working after a while. And that's what's happened with our app. We've had it for a few years. All the systems that it runs on are upgrading, and as a consequence, we have to upgrade as well. So, by the way, if, if you're like me, and you watch that video, and your brain sort of locked in the middle of it, and now you're fearful of losing contact, uh, just know this. You can go to the website, and Ty's got that same video right on the website. You can follow it. 15 times in a row, if that's what it takes you to get through those three clicks. Hey, I'm talking about myself here. Uh, but um, that connection is super easy to make. 
I know that everybody sitting here wants to know the story behind why we have the Tupperware now that Pastor Darius brought it up, but uh, that'll be saved for another day. You'll just have to wonder for now. Uh, grab your Bible, if you would, this morning, friends, and open it to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and we're going to begin a new teaching series today, a new journey together today. Raise your hand if you're over your Seahawks hangover. Go ahead, put your hand up, say, I'm over it. Not very many hands up in the room. You, you will overcome. You will get beyond that. Uh, we all will. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to begin a new teaching series today, friends. It'll go for the next uh, eight weeks. And in the time in which we live, th- there's no important, more important um, uh, topic than we're going to cover than what we're going to start covering uh, this morning. But you know, in light of what happened in our nation's capital this week, let us remember, church, that we, we especially and uniquely are called to pray for our nation and to pray for healing in our land and to pray uh, because the spiritual battle can't be won with earthly means. It has to be won in the spirit. And And, um, you know, we always pray for our nation at MRCC on Sundays. I I want us to do that again before we open God's Word together uh, this week. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, we, we come to you this morning because you are the answer to the afflictions in our land. Whether they're physical, whether it's healing from this, this virus stuff, God, or whether it's the, the much more serious reality of the strife and turmoil and deception that the enemy sows. We come to you this morning because you have invited us to pray for healing in our land. You have called us a, a kingdom of priests. You have sent us as your ambassadors to this land. And, and Lord, we, we remember in this moment that our citizenship is in heaven, that our kingdom is not of this world, and that we are sent here as ambassadors to share the good news of your kingdom. And out of that, Lord, we come to you praying for healing in our land, God. Praying for peace in our land. Praying that you wash away the the deceptions. There's so many of them out there, God. That you wash those away and cause us instead to remember that we belong to you. That you have the last word in all things, God. That your throne is never shaken. We rest in that and we pray, God, that you would give peace to our land. We, we confess our sins, Lord. We have loved violence and wickedness and unrighteousness. Lord, as a nation, there's no doubt about that truth. But there's also no doubt that your mercies are new forever. That your grace is given wherever repentance is offered. We thank you for that, Lord. And we pray for healing in our land. Finally, God, we pray that that healing would begin inside of each one of us. That we would be the followers of the Prince of Peace, God. That our lives would win the respect of outsiders, as your word says, so that your gospel can be heard. We pray for that. God, bring healing to our land and teach us to rest in your kingdom, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, it, 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 it's, it's pretty easy to do that on Sunday morning, but let me exhort you to be doing that at home. It will make an enormous difference in your life 
and the lives of those around you to be praying for healing in our land. So Matthew chapter 11 this morning as we begin this new journey together. You know, sometimes we need help knowing what we really want. Sometimes we need help knowing what we really want. I remember when our, our son Isaiah was a toddler and, and there would come a, a part of the day, especially in the summertime, when you just knew he was fried and he needed a nap. And Rhonda would bring him in and take him to his bedroom or take him to the couch and, and she would say, you got to take a nap, Isaiah. You desperately need a nap. We had a nickname for him when he, got, when he got irritable. We called him Hank the Crank. We would say, you're cranking, Isaiah. You need a nap. And without fail, every single time, if you're a parent, you know this, every single time he said, no, I don't. I'm not tired. I don't need a rest. No, I don't need a nap. And, and he, he simply couldn't understand what he really needed and wanted. And Rhonda had this trick she would play on him. You know, all good parenting is trickery. You know that, right? So she had this trick she would play on him. She'd say, oh, it's okay, son. She said, let's just lay down here. You don't have to go to sleep. Just close your eyes. But you don't have to sleep. You know, just and of course, he closes his eyes. Boom, he's out. And, and then he wakes up a little while later. And the first thing that happens when he wakes up is his spirit is soft. And him and mom or him and dad or him and the dog are loving. And then the next thing you know, he feels like a million bucks. And he charges back out into the rest of the day, thankful and glad that he had a nap. Sometimes we need help knowing what we really want. And, and the same kind of thing keeps happening to us as an adult. It keeps happening to us when we grow up. You know, every weekday morning at our house, the alarm goes off at 5 o'clock, and it's time for Rhonda and me to go running. I have to tell you that even after all these years, every time that alarm goes off at 5 o'clock, the first thought that I have is not, yay, I get to get out of bed and go running. Never. The first thought is always, really? <laughs> it's raining, it's cold, it's warm in here. Let me rehearse all the possible excuses that could get me out of getting up and going for a run today, every day. But I've learned something over time. I've learned that what I really want is not what I think I want in that moment. Because here's the reality. Every single time I come back from the run, rain, wind, cold, hot, doesn't matter. Every time I come back, I have the same thought. <sighs> wow, Lord, thanks. That's, that was good. <laughs> Thank you for helping me get out of it. Church, we must understand something about ourselves, which our, our Lord and Savior understands. And that is that we sometimes need help knowing what we really want. And, and, and it's from that father heart that Jesus says this, kind of the theme for this series that we're in. He says this, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You know, without exception, every day of the week, I hear from people who feel weary and burdened. Do you know that this morning before second service, I heard from two people specifically. Pastor, I'm just, I'm sad. I'm tired. I'm burdened. I prayed with a half dozen people before just this service over all those kinds of things. Jesus says, if you are feeling weary and burdened, 
He says, come to me and I will give you rest. I'll touch that part of your life. I will, I promise. This is a promise Jesus is giving. He says, take my yoke upon you. Mm. That's what we're going to start talking about this morning. What does that mean? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Notice what he says and what he doesn't say. He says, take my yoke upon you. He says, Greg, I want to give you a job, if I can paraphrase, that will bring you rest. (laughs) We tend to think the key to rest is inactivity. Oh, God, I need to do nothing for a long time. Well, there's periods of time when we need to do nothing, but that won't create rest for the soul. Jesus knows what will. So he says, Greg, take my yoke upon you. In other words, friends, understand this. The Lord is saying that we don't need the kind of rest that comes from inactivity as much as we need the kinds of, or or the kind of rest that comes from getting our way, as much as we need the rest that comes from living life under Jesus' leadership. That's where the rest is found. The world has a very different message. But Jesus' message is that rest is found in taking his yoke upon you. Another way we talk about that is personal discipleship. People say, in this time we're living in, what should we be doing? And the first answer to that question is pressing into discipleship. Pressing into our willingness to be led by Jesus, to be led by our Savior. Lots of people are trying to overcome this season in our lives without discipleship. Why? Because they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe Jesus. Jesus comes and says, Greg, if you want rest for your souls, your soul, take my yoke upon you. Let me ask you this morning, when he says that, do you believe him? We're going to be talking about that over these next eight weeks, what that means, what that looks like practically, how that works. Now, now listen, church, understand that, that when Jesus offers his yoke, he is inviting you and me to submit to him. A, a yoke, if you don't know, is that harness that goes over the shoulders of oxen when they pull a plow or they pull a wagon. It's that apparatus that you place over a a beast of burden, as we would say, in order to, to get them involved in our work, in order to work with them. But there's an important key about the yoke in that culture that we don't see as much in this one, and that is that a yoke in those days wasn't an oppressive thing. It wasn't kind of a a symbol of slavery. In fact, friends, when you think of the yoke that Jesus is talking about here, understand this, each yoke was custom-made for the ox that was going to use it. Each farmer would literally fit that yoke to that oxen's particular build and shoulders and center of gravity and the way they would work. So a a yoke in those days was a lovingly crafted device that was placed on an animal not to harm it or or to in any way uh, impede it, but to involve it in the farmer's work. That's very different from our day where they're mass-produced. You pick a few up down at the feed and seed store and throw them on your animals. That's not at all 
the context when Jesus talks about his yoke. But, but notice the other side of the coin is that taking a yoke isn't an act of leisure. <laughs> it's an act of entering into a partnership with a farmer. You know, here, here's something we need to understand about ourselves uh, in this metaphor as well. The truth is that a farm animal is happier working than not working. Farm animals don't crave inactivity. They actually find themselves in cooperation with the farmer. You and I are the same way. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4 puts it this way. It says, a sluggard's appetite is never filled. <laughs> you, know, you say to yourself, if I won the lottery, I'd never do anything again for the rest of my life. Liar. <laughs> you, you couldn't take it. The leisure would kill you. You would start finding things to do, which raises the whole question of what kind of things, and then we go from there. Proverbs says, a sluggard's appetite is never filled. But hear this. But the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. In other words, I won't find myself in escaping from the demands that God lays on me. I find myself in embracing them. I find myself in accepting the yoke of Christ. Jesus wants us to understand that real rest isn't found in leisure except in very short spurts. It's found in purpose. It's found in discovering how you as an individual partner with the farmer. And then it moves beyond the individual because oxen were often in teams. So you learn how to partner with the ox next to you. That's the imagery that Jesus is bringing to our mind. You may think you want to live a safe and secure life without challenges or problems, but the reality is you really don't. Given a chance to be a hero, you'll leap at it. I remember when I was in NCO school in the Marine Corps, we had a first sergeant who taught us this. He said, if you want to be a good leader, you have to understand, these guys don't most of all want to be safe. They want to matter. <laughs> they want to know they matter. They want to do something meaningful. Their first desire is really not to be safe. If it was, they wouldn't have volunteered to join the Marines. Their desire is to matter. So Jesus is teaching us, friends, that the first step to finding rest for your soul is to submit to the yoke of Christ in your life. To say to yourself, okay, Lord, I'm going to choose to do things your way, to live life for your agenda, and to come under your yoke. A simple question. Let me just ask this of you as your fellow believer. Have you made that choice? Have you said, Jesus, I want to live in your yoke. I want to live in submission to you. I want you to settle over my shoulders the yoke of your leadership in my life. Have you done that? Lots of people think about it and talk about it, but never really do it. They never say to God, that's what I want. They never say to their Savior, their Lord, that's what I want. I remember when I was in junior high and you know, I, I, the wrestling team, I had a couple buddies that were on the wrestling team, and I, I talked myself into thinking, I want to be on the wrestling team. So I volunteered for the wrestling team. I thought to myself, how hard can it be? I play soccer already. I'm in good shape. This won't be a problem. I joined the wrestling team, and a week and a half later, I quit. <laughs> I said, this is too hard. <laughs> this yoke is too demanding. <laughs> I don't want to work that hard. L lots of us shy back from the yoke of Christ for the same kind of reason, forgetting that Jesus said it's under that yoke where we'll find the rest we're looking for. Paul says the same kind of thing to the Apostle Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to what he says, friends. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself 
to be godly. The King James says, discipline yourself unto godliness. Same idea. For physical training is of some value. Yeah, it, it helps. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Train yourself to be godly. Now, let's hear what Paul is saying here in the full context. First of all, he says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Avoid all the hype and slogans and cheap, mean nonsense that pretends to be Christian faith. Don't get caught up in, in all the conspiracy tales of our time. Sometimes we think anything that gives us a rush of sentimentality is godly. But it isn't. Any more than raising kids is a bunch of Hallmark movie moments. Somebody say amen. It's not, right? It's much more than that. When your first child becomes a teenager, it's a wild ride. When the fourth one becomes a teenager, you sort of shrug and say, all right, I'm putting my seatbelt on. Here we go. Because we understand by then that there's much more to it than sentimentality. Paul says, don't live in the hype about your Christian life or anything else. But then he says, train yourself to be godly. I want to encourage you to circle that word train and then underline the word yourself. What Paul is saying is, is treat your Christian faith like music practice or like learning how to golf or learning how to drive. Practice it. Develop habits which will grow you. Do certain things over and over because like your body learns muscle memory, your soul learns spiritual memory. And he says, train yourself to be godly. Have that kind of attitude about it. Interestingly, the word train in this passage is the Greek gymnadze, from which we get the English word gymnasium. Very much Paul's thinking of practice. Very much Paul's thinking of a kind of exercise of the spirit. And when he says train yourself, he means to engage your will. Don't just sit back and say, God, make me, make me something. Sure, his salvation and the righteousness he is working in us is ultimately depends on his power, but we are to be engaged with him like an ox with the farmer. We take the yoke, he leads us in fruitfulness. Train yourself means to engage your will, to choose to practice. Notice it doesn't say God will train you by magic. Instead, it's an invitation to cooperate with him under his yoke. Now, there's an incredible promise in all of this. Look again at verse 8. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise. This is wonderful. Holding promise both for your present life. You say, how am I going to get through 2021? I saw a funny meme yesterday. Somebody said, um, I want to return 2021 already. The first seven-day trial is a no-go. No you know, <laughs> I'm done with it. But he says, godliness has value for all things, both for the present life. You want to know how to get through this season of turmoil? It begins with the strength in your spirit. It begins with the power of godliness. Godliness will bless you in ways that your fantasies about being physically fit never can. When I was young and stupid, now I'm old and stupid, this is when I was young and stupid, I, I, you know, I thought that what my wife most wanted in the world, what would bless her the most, is if she had a buff husband. So I'm... I'm I mean, I told you I was stupid, right? So I'm going there, I'm doing this, and slowly it dawned on me that she wasn't very impressed when I struck a pose. <laughs> 
slowly it dawned on me that what she really wanted from me was my friendship, my interest, our romance, our sharing our joys. And very slowly I started figuring out, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. God wants us to understand that, that the promise in the present life, this strength to overcome, comes from godliness. It comes from willfully submitting to the yoke of Jesus Christ in my life. Strength to overcome. You know, I drive, as most of you know, I drive a Mini Cooper, and most of you mock me for it, and that's fine. I get it, all right? Especially the guys in the church. I'm always pulling up next to guys in the church in their four-wheel trucks and saying, hey, you need a tow? Give me a call. I'll hook you up, you know, <laughs> messing around with it. It's easy to assume though, that you would be safer in a big truck than in a mini in a crash. But interestingly, and I didn't know this until years after I'd owned one, that actually a Mini Cooper has the highest possible safety rating from the International Institute for Highway Safety. There is no higher rating you can possibly get. I thought, how can that be true? And, and I thought that to myself because I, I, every time I close my door, I can feel the thinness <laughs> of the, uh, you know, of the, the car. I thought to myself, how, how does that work? How can it possibly have the highest rating? And I poked around and saw a lot of vehicles that you would think would have higher ones and don't. And so I researched it a little bit. Here's what I found out. That the way the Mini is built, it has an ex extremely uncommonly strong cage, what we call in racing a roll cage built into it. And this, this extremely strong chassis combines with the very light weight of the car so that when it's in an accident, it bounces, <laughs> right? It doesn't like smash to pieces, it bounces, right? So, you know, it gets head on and it bounces. Now, it's probably not real good for your neck or whatever, but if you're wearing your seatbelt, it becomes an incredibly safe vehicle. In the same way, God wants to build you from the inside out. Hear me, friends. He wants to build you from the inside out. Nothing through Jesus, of course. And once the disciples learned how to submit to the yoke of Christ, nothing through them, of course. Not persecution, not war, not hardship, not trial, not any affliction of the enemy. No, no, no. Their chassis had become so strong that when those things oppressed them, they bounced Paul says when you train yourself to be godly, it holds promise for the present life. That's the promise. There's more to it, but that's at the core of it. And then he says it holds promise. Catch this. Don't miss this, friends. He says it holds promise for the life to come. That speaks of not only our reward in heaven, but, but notice this. Most of us assume that going to heaven is kind of like hitting the restart button on your phone or your laptop. Everything completely resets. We think there's no relation between what we are now and who we are now and what we will be then. But the Bible says there's a direct connection. That practicing godliness now holds promise for the life to come. It speaks of reward. It also speaks to the reality of our existence there. We don't have time to get into this this morning, but 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 to 18 teaches us explicitly that heaven isn't the ultimate communist utopia. We don't go there and everybody's equal. We go there and some receive more honor for the way they choose to spend their time on earth. We're all in glory. We're all saved. 
but some receive greater reward for the way they chose to live here on earth. It's a startling reality that country western music won't teach you. But your Bible will. Your Bible will. So Paul says it holds reward both for this life and the life to come. To kind of picture this, you know, um, when we went to Peru many years ago on a mission trip, uh, my wife was uh, heavy into her marathon running, and, and we went up to this place where we worked, and it was at 16,000 feet, a place called Makasani in Peru. 16,000 feet, which is almost as high as the top of Mount Rainier. And when we climbed out of the car, <laughs> I was like... <sighs> And there was this hillside up to a landmark that everybody wanted to go see. And I was like, no thanks, I think I'll just stay here. I think I'll just sit down. And I was thrilled to be there. I was there. It was awesome. My wife hiked up the mountain to the landmark, took pictures by it. Proved to me that she's a better man than I am. It was awesome. She just went right up there. Why? Because her life up to that moment had prepared her in a way that I wasn't yet prepared. Paul says godliness does that to us. So what does submission to the yoke of Jesus look like practically? Well, let's talk about that and then kind of get into the home stretch this morning. Hear this, friends. Jesus says, Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks, and the hand does, what the heart is full of. Circle that phrase, stored up, and then ask yourself, what do I store up day in and day out? What do I store up in my heart? You know, a sponge, I love this illustration. A sponge, when it's under pressure, reveals what's inside of it. If you've got a sponge and it's full of water and you put pressure on it, water comes out. Now, the pressure doesn't create the water. The water was always there. The pressure just reveals what's there. In this season in our land, pressure is revealing what was always there. Jesus says, under pressure, the evil man will bring the evil stored up in him. Under pressure, the good man will bring out the good stored up in him. Church, understand when, when Jesus and, and Paul invite us to live this kind of train-yourself life, to take this yoke on your, your neck, uh, uh, to, to, to make Jesus' leadership central to your lifestyle, what happens is you begin to store up what's good. And then when the pressure comes, that's what comes out. A lot of us say, I want to do what's good. When the chips are down, when the moment comes, I want to be the one who does what's good. But then we never store up the good for that moment. And so when the moment comes, the sponge is squeezed and there's nothing in it. Jesus says, hey, understand that what you store up is what will come out of you under pressure. Good intentions cannot give you and me the strength we need to be good when the pressure's on. If you, want to, uh, if you accept the yoke of Jesus, you're going to have to understand that what it, he wants to do is store up in you the good that will come out under pressure. And that's where we talk about the first of the steps of discipleship, personal discipleship. And that is daily taking in the word of God. Every day storing up the word of God. Wearing the yoke of Jesus to such a degree that you say to yourself, you know what, God, every day I want to hear from you. Every day, I just want to hear from you. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but every day, Lord, I want to discipline myself, train myself to hear from you. Jesus put it this way. He said, Greg, man doesn't live on bread alone, 
but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, the kind of life you're craving is a life that comes from taking in the words of God. And so what I'm going to challenge us to as we move into 2021 is 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes of every one of your days. It's not a lot, but 10 minutes of every part of your day spent in the Gospels. Now, I read my whole Bible. You should. But when you stay centered in the Gospels, you stay centered in the Word of God in a rich and personal way, in an easier, often, to grasp way. The Bible says that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So all my life, I've always stayed close to Jesus. I read my whole Bible, but I'm always also in the Gospels. Ten minutes a day. When you're in the Word, here's what will happen. Stuff will leap out at you. You'll read something and go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the Holy Spirit walking with you and teaching you every day of your life. That's the Holy Spirit storing up in you the stuff that will come out under pressure. That's his cooperation with you. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 16. He said, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He was talking to the disciples. He says, good for you, actually, that I go away because the spirit will come. He can be closer to you because he can be in you. Jesus says, when he comes, he will guide you into truth. He won't speak on his own. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So when you stay in the gospels, the Holy Spirit again and again is going, hey, Check that out, Greg. Oh, look, did you hear that, Greg? Did you see that? Oh, ooh, the supplies. This has meaning to your marriage. This has meaning to your work. This has meaning to, to your heart. Uh, oh, hey, pay attention. The more you listen to him, the more you hear him. You meet with God as you listen to Jesus. This is very real, but it can't happen if you don't listen. If you don't say, Jesus, I want your yoke. I'm going to submit to your yoke. You know, sometimes, I confess this to my shame, sometimes Rhonda talks to me and I'm not really listening. It always comes out when I ask her the same things later. It happened this week. Thursday, she was talking to me. I was paying attention to other things. I wanted her to think I was listening. And so, yep, yep, uh uh-huh, got it, right, yep. mm -hmm." And then like an hour later, I was thinking about the next day and I said, now when did you say you're going to so-and-so? She said, I just told you that. I said, yes, I know, but I wasn't listening to you. So now I I need to know. We do that to the Lord sometimes. But if you take 10 minutes a day in the Gospels, you'll get past that. And you know, the beautiful thing is that when you do that, God will show you things you could have never known otherwise. Things about yourself, things about him, things about the people around you. The Bible makes a beautiful promise in Hebrews 4.12. It says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing my soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of my heart. I hear people all the time say, I don't know why I do that. Listen and God will show you. He will teach you and grow you out of it. Now, Jesus said, we're almost done, that, that this sort of ongoing listening him to him is the key to knowing and feeling that we matter. This is where your soul finds rest. He said in John 15, remain in me, Greg, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So it's an invitation to an ongoing lifestyle. When you see yourself bearing fruit, doing good, being good, speaking life, when you see yourself doing that, your soul will rest. When you see yourself doing that, your soul will rest. That's why Jesus offers a yoke. That's why he says to us, take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. Friends, there are many things that God wants to show you and teach you, but you can't learn them in a hurry. And you can't learn them if you don't listen. Now, here's the last thing I want to say this morning. The question isn't whether we will listen. We're always listening. The question is who we'll listen to. Let me say that again. The question isn't whether we will listen. The question is who we will listen to. Let me give you an example. Can we have a little fun here for a moment? You've been listening all your life. And as a consequence of your listening, you've been learning. Let me help you see how. Join with me once you know the words, once you remember these words. Just sit right back and you hear a tale, the tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailor. See, you know that <laughs> because you've been listening. Jesus says, pay attention to who you're listening to. I kind of left Brent hanging. He was going to give us a little tunes there. But yeah, you, you are listening. We all are. The question is just who or what we're listening to. By the way, a little known fact that will probably be the only thing you remember from my message today. But did you know that Amazing Grace works perfectly to the tune of Gilligan's Island? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now... Okay, anyway. You know why I did that? So that you'll remember you are listening. <laughs> it's just who you're listening to. Listen, friends, this is where we close today. Jesus invites you and me, in this time when we feel weary and burdened, to take his yoke upon us. He says, if you'll take my yoke upon you, you will find rest for your soul. My yoke begins with listening to me. Listen to me every day. Listen to me in an ongoing way. By the way, you say, boy, I struggle to read. Okay, great. There's wonderful apps. You can listen to the scripture on your phone. I mean, I, I like Bible.is. There's a million of them. They're free out there. Read scripture is another great one. You can get them for nothing. Download. Give yourself 10 minutes in the Gospels every day. Because this man, Jesus, people say, I want to hear from God. He is the Word. <laughs> to listen to Him is to hear God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Let me finish with a story. In a remote valley in Northern California, there are 42 giant radio telescopes pointed into space. They're called the Alien Telescope Array. They cost millions of dollars, almost a billion. And they participate in something called the SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. They work in constant sync, these 42 giant telescopes, with each other, scanning the sky back and forth, 24-7, 365, for any sign of life beyond this world. It's a huge effort. It's been going on for decades. Do you know what we've heard so far? Bumpkus, <laughs> Zippo. We've heard stars. We've heard solar winds. But the one who's out there has already spoken. 
He's come among us. He became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. And he says to you and me, if you want rest, listen to me. Begin today to discipline yourself, to listen to me, train yourself to be godly, and you will find rest for your souls. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your invitation. God, sometimes we're just like little Isaiah. We need help knowing what we really want. God, help us to grow up into what it means to take your yoke on us every day. Teach us to, to walk with you in training. God, send us into this year, not just hearing, but doing, that we might find rest for our souls. We pray for that and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me, church? Those of you online, you don't have to stand. You can just sit there. It's all good. <laughs> it is great to be with you this morning. The Bible says that when we gather to worship, we encourage one another. And that's real. So now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love them. Have a great afternoon, friends. Who's for me? Who's good?